So hi everyone, I'm so excited that you're here. I have a really special, special guest. My dear friend and colleague, Liz King Caruso. Hello. So we're gonna have a really great fun time talking about tips to build your thought leadership to grow your revenue. So let me introduce Liz and then we can get started. Liz King Caruso is an event specialist, consultant, and speaker who is passionate about impactful, successful, and fun events. Liz launched Liz King Events while still running events full-time for Columbia University and quickly became a thought leader, a thought leader influencer amongst her peers after voraciously sharing content on event best practices. Liz works with thought leaders like Ramit Sethi, Microsoft, SeatGeek, Team Worthy Ventures, Ramon Ray, we love Ramon, and many others to host strategic conferences and events that engage their audience, build their brand, and sell their products and services. In addition, Liz ran one of the most iconic, iconic event tech conferences in the industry called Tech Texty Talk Live, and I attended most of them, and they were fantastic. We missed them. Liz has been featured in successful meetings lists for uh, 25 most influential people in the meetings industry, Connect Magazine's list of 40 under 40 up and coming event planners, and meetings and conventions list of top influential female leaders in the event industry, amongst other awards. Welcome, Liz. Hello. Always nice to talk to you. Always so fun to talk to you. I love it. Okay, so let's just jump right in. You talk a lot about leadership and influence. What do you mean by that? And why is that more important now than ever? Yeah, so I mean, I think actually they're old concepts. It's not something that's new, but I think the term influencer, thought leader, those are terms that are getting thrown around a lot in the past few years, not just like yesterday. But basically, I think it's so important. You know, there's the know, like, and trust. People have to know you, they have to like you, and they have to trust you. And that if you can get those three things going for you, it's a lot easier for people to purchase for, from you. And I think that's critical all the time. That's, again, it's something that people who had businesses in the 40s, 50s, 60s, they had to have those three things. But with social media, now it's super important to get it out there to a wider audience. It gives us a lot of power that we didn't have many years ago to reach our audience. And I think also now with covid completely impacting our industry. And there are so many people who are out of work or in between jobs. You know, I just had another client move an event to next year. So yeah. it's like, you know, what are you doing with this time? I think now is a, t a better time than ever to focus on your brand. And you and I have been talking for years about you doing something like this. Yes. And look, now you have the time to do it, a little bit of breathing room, and you're using this time to build your thought leadership. You've been doing events for years and years, and you're so good at what you do. And now you get to show that to a wider audience. And that's really going to help you when it comes to all of this COVID passing. And, you know, clients will eventually go back and want to host events. And who's going to be top of mind? It's the faces they've seen. Right. And I think so. I think it's more important now than ever. But it's always been really important to have those, you know, three main components. So, yeah, it's, you know, I don't, we don't know where this is going to go and how long this is going to last. And so, like you said, I've been wanting to do something that's going to start a podcast and this just accidentally happened. 
I don't need to think I introduce myself. I'm Annette Nath, Nath Production. In case some of you don't know who I am, I do corporate, social, and nonprofit and pretty much everything. But yeah, so it's just, it's very challenging, but you know, we just have to go with the flow and kind of learn what we need to learn. So, so I know that you started your business on Twitter, which I think is absolutely insane and fantastic at the same time. Like, like I am not, I'm all over social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. I'm on TikTok. I haven't even done anything with it yet, but Twitter's like the last thing I go to. I, I probably check it once a week, which is really bad. I don't engage. I try post a lot. I do post a lot on there, but I'm not big about that. So can you just talk about how you started your business with that and how that evolved and secrets behind that? You could share that would be great. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it is important to share that that was in 2009, 2010, when Twitter was brand new. I don't think it's the same platform now that it used to be, but basically I was doing events for Columbia University and I was just really interested in the events industry. So I wanted to figure out like what else is out there? How do I learn about this? And so I created the handle Liz King events because that was my name and what I was interested in. And so I just started like posting about things I was reading, things that we were doing because I was doing events at Columbia. So we, I was able to post about the work that we were doing. I read an article, I would talk about what was interesting and I would share it. Or if I wrote an article, I would just like share that. And before long, I started getting client inquiries from people who thought Liz King events was a company. And I was like, oh no, you guys are crazy. It's not a company. And I would just refer them. And after a while, it's like, what am I doing? This is such a great possibility. You know, so I got a mentor. I started thinking about what if I did this as a a profession, (laughs) you know, as a career and, and really had my own business. And so, yeah, I just took my first client in 2010, August of 2010. So we're coming up on 10 years now, but it all started from a Twitter account that people somehow thought was a company. That's so crazy. And do you still get, I think, do you still get clients on there? So I still get about 90% of my business from social media. And most of it is the relationships that I created back in 2009, 2010, and, or at least like things I did during that time that built my brand or people that have referred. I mean, you and I met through social media many years ago at this point. No, I know so many years. We both, you know, I started my business in April of 2010. So, and I too just did it because there was the economy crashed in 2008, another disaster when, you know, the economy crashed. And then I thought, well, I'm bored. I was working for a um, commercial real estate company and, they, there was nothing going on because they weren't buying or selling anything. And I was just bored. So I just finished college. So I started the business and it's crazy that, you know, at 10 years goes by so fast and so much has changed and, and, you know, you've done amazing things. And I, because of you, I got to teach at NYU, which is really amazing. And that was a great experience. And, you know, that's always something really fun. And we both love to educate and help our industry, which is what I love about you. And that's, super important. And it's just nice to be able to do this. And that's what this is about is trying to help our colleagues, the people in the industry to not feel alone and sort of, you know, see what we can do to help each other. Cause that's what we need right now is that for sure. So I know know you don't spend a lot of time and money on direct marketing, which I find that to be interesting, which is great, but so many businesses spend a lot of time on that. How do you make that work? Yeah. So I think a lot of people, you know, you want to get more clients. And so it's just like, how do I do that? The first thought my 
marketing bad word that I hate is push. It's like, oh, I'm going to push something out on social media. I'm going to push yeah. a direct message through LinkedIn. I'm going to push out a podcast. Or a, it's like, that is not what anybody wants to hear. And so, so many people spend so much time just like pushing content and then, you know, it has the call to action and it goes into a funnel and the funnel, people know when they're being shoved through that funnel and nobody likes it. I, you know, I've unsubscribed from many a newsletter <laughs> that made me feel that way. And so I've really just focused on trying to provide value and make meaningful connections. And so, you know, there, I remember when I first left Columbia to do my business full time, it was just meeting after meeting and I wasn't selling a single thing. I didn't even know what I was selling at that point because I had barely done events, you know, <laughs> so it was very exploratory. It was like, Hey, I'm doing this full time. What do you do? How could I help you? What? And that has served me really well all throughout my career. And I think it's the relationships, like I said, that you build early that continue to pay the dividends. And then the relationships I'm building now will pay off in five to 10 years. And, and especially when you're in a crisis, no one really wants to think about the fact that it's going to take some time to build it up. But, you know, most of us in the industry have been doing this for a really long time. And so you have kind of like the history of it and you could leverage that. But, you know, it's just, I think it's, the mindset, the marketing, it's like not, I don't consider myself spending a ton of time marketing, right. I'm providing things that I hope are of value. And I hope, you know, people come to me then when they, the timing is right and they need my help. Right. Right. I don't pay for mark. Well, I have a marketing director that helps me because I create the content and then I send it to him and he puts it out for me and he schedules it and does all that. I need someone. I can't do everything. You should not be doing everything. You know, you like, you really should focus on what you're great at. Being yeah. consistent is really key. Even if it's just, you know, and people want to see you personally, which I hate. I'm just not good on per being personal on social media as far yeah. as my personal life, but being like my personal life, I really don't put oh, my yeah. personal life out there, but I do engage a lot. And, and I love engaging with other people, but being consistent across all platforms because you just don't know. And you feel, you might feel like, oh my gosh, they've seen this post a thousand times or a million times. I, why should I post this again? The key yeah. is to change pictures, take, take the same post, but change the picture. You might get more engagement with a different kind of picture. It's kind of the, that type of thing. But I don't, I'm also that way. I don't um, spend a lot of money or time. I mean, I feel like I spend a lot of time marketing right now. I'm doing a lot of marketing because we're shifting to virtual. So we want to let people know that we are doing virtual events and hybrid at some point, but I think it's going to be a few years before we can really get hundreds of people in a room again. Yeah. Do you kind of feel that way? Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but oh. we're talking about, you know, Craig, my husband was just talking about Disney has, you know, open dates for July 15th and my first response. And I think many people's first response is you won't catch me anywhere near there July 15th as much yeah. as we love to go you know it's like people there's the law and what is legally allowed to happen and then you have this whole layer of what people are willing to do and yeah. I think that's going to take much longer than yeah. whatever legal it stuff is, it is kind of scary so yeah okay so for a person who has great industry experience but has not put a lot of thought into getting their brand out there. How long does this process take? And is, is it like starting all over again? Because I feel like I'm kind of starting over again. Don't you with a new kind yeah. of it's yeah. So what do you think? I, about you know, that? I know, 
I hear from a lot of planners all the time. Like I've been planning events for 20 years and I'm amazing at what I do, but like nobody knows about it. And they feel like when you want to get your brand out there and build your thought leadership, it's like you're starting from zero because maybe you have zero or close to that followers on Instagram or Twitter or whatever platform. But the truth is you have all these relationships that you've built up over the years. And as I said earlier, it's not something that necessarily happens overnight. It's not like, oh, I put up a blog post and thousands of people flock to it and I booked new business. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. It yeah. takes some time. But for those of you who have been in the business for longer, you have the benefit. And then it's just about being smart and strategic. So for example, a lot of people, again, go to like push stuff out and build their followers. I've seen so many people buy followers. It makes me shake my head. It's like you have contacts, reach out to the people, the past clients, all the people you've worked with in the past, encourage them to follow you on social, share something that's actually meaningful with them instead of just saying like, Hey, click these links and click follow. So I think, you know, you don't have to start from scratch. You have all these relationships and you should leverage them to get you kind of ahead of the game, but it takes time. I mean, the whole point of social media is that people pretty much only see your post for three seconds as they're scrolling by happens to be interesting enough. They'll land on it for, you know, 13 seconds. If you're really, really lucky and they'll even like it if you're super, super excited and they only do that. And then they go to 5,000. If you think of how many pieces of content you touch in a day, it's ridiculous. I I don't even want to see what my use is. I close my apps. It's like close, close, close for like 20 minutes. You know, know. it's it's like, you know, people have to see you for those three seconds. 50 times before when they need have a need, you're the one who comes to mind. Right. right. So that doesn't happen overnight unless you annoy people, which is not, which you know. is, but you know, we have choices. That's why stories is actually interesting. Like I didn't start stories until a year ago, maybe a year ago. My coach at the time said, you know, she helped me get on it because I was confused about how it works. Of course, now mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, it's no, anything is always new. It's exchange. You know, you just, you're confused, but it's you get a lot more engagement on there because people only want like short amount of time. You know, we're our brains are just so fried right now with social media and especially now being quarantined, we're all just that's all we have to do. So I find stories to be much more engaging. I'll post the same thing on my Instagram and I only have eighteen hundred followers. For some reason it's stuck there, like for whatever reason, but I have thousands and thousands of other followers on other platforms. So for whatever reason it's stuck at eighteen hundred. But I'll get like, I don't know, 30 people who will like the post. But when I do an Instagram, I get like 150. The Instagram stories, I get like mm-hmm. 100. So I think you got to find those. If you're not on it, you know, that's where you want to post your stuff, you know. And it's different but, for everyone, you know. You have to yeah, I think it is. I think people feel this pressure that they have to be on every platform and publishing all this content. Like just find one that you really like. Yeah. Do it really well. And then if you have a secondary, like for me, it's Facebook and I don't even use the stories. I just post really regularly on Facebook, a good mix of personal and professional. And then I'll post like a third, not even a third of those posts on Instagram. And sometimes I'll feed them to LinkedIn and Twitter, you know, like that's my platform and it used to be Twitter, but just people don't have, you know, who has that many hours in the day to just be posting 5,000 updates every, you know, I know well, why we use Hootsuite, we uh, scheduled them. Yeah. But I start, I'll start, if I'm going to post it myself, I'll start it at Instagram and then I'll shoot it over to my Facebook. And then I do get on LinkedIn because it's a business, you know, it's business. I don't put, like fun stuff on there. I put, 
I, I try to keep it fun. Events are fun, so you can make it fun, but it's more business. So you try to keep it more business, but I am on there. So, which is Twitter's like the, the last thing I'll look at. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I just never really got into it, but it's changed very, a lot. It's changed a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole nother ball game. So, yeah. All right, so this is really frustrating time for many. With business being so unreliable, what tips do you have for people who need to bring in revenue right now? Great, like that's like the million dollar question, right? Yeah, this is everyone's question because I think there is a mix right now of the thought leadership building, the podcasting, the video interviews, all of that is great and it's gonna eventually bring you money, I'm sure, but it's not you know, something tomorrow. So the first thing I would do is look at your existing client base and think of how you can help them. And so, you know, I know many event planners are starting to learn if they don't already know how to do virtual events and thinking about how to help clients pivot to virtual or do something hybrid. And I think that that's a smart pivot. Pivot is like the most overused word these days. But but it is the word people need to be doing. So it's what it is. So, I mean, that's one example, but there are so many other examples. And I look to, for example, there's a cooking class place that we love. We love to go there. It's like $100 per person. I was there with you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can't do cooking classes anymore because they can't have people together. Well, so what did they start doing? They started doing meal boxes. So you could go and pick up like a grocery kit. It comes with all the recipes. It comes with everything you need. And then that was an option. Then they started doing virtual cooking classes where you can also pick up your food if you want, or they just give you a shopping list and then you do it on Zoom and you cook in your own homes with the instructor. And there's, I think they're making more money now than they were making before. Or a DJ friend of ours who was DJing, now he does DJ to your door. It's, I think it's $75. Oh no, I think it's $75 for 15 minutes and he'll show up outside socially distanced, your neighbors can like hear everything that's happening, but he'll do it for your birthday or whatever. And I think that's most likely more than he was making per hour in the past. And he said he's crushing it. You know, it's like, yeah. So it's really just thinking outside the box about what you can do. I think every event planner right now is thinking, oh my God, I have to learn how to go virtual. But first of all, that's, you know, these are skills you probably should have been learning many years ago. (laughs) And so it's hard for planners to just figure it out right now, but not everyone is going to be good at that. You know, on the special event side, especially, are we going to just do zoom wedding? Like, I don't know if that's realistic, but are there other things we could do? You know, you've seen the drive by birthday parades and the, there's, there's some really creative ideas. And if you could come up with something that's different than what you're seeing out there on the internet and uses your skill set, you could sell that to your existing client base and new clients and possibly even go viral at a time like this. This is one of those times where being creative and taking the risk actually really opens you up to some really huge potential that maybe would have been hard to get a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, everyone's concerned about engagement on Zoom or, you know, on whatever this, yeah. this virtual is going to be. But, and they want an emotion. Like I have a, a client, a potential client that's coming through. And they really want to make sure that we hit an emotional, we get an emotional feeling from people on this. So, you know, it's got to start before they get on the call, right? Before they get on the event, send them a care package that gets them excited about what's going to happen or what's involved with your branding. Make sure that you're branding. I talk a lot. I just wrote a blog on that. But there's ways to do it. And, And also, you know, I think people are 
it's not cheap to do a virtual event. However, it's cheaper than a live event. So I potentially. think potentially it can be, it just depends on exactly. I mean, it depends on how crazy you want to be or what things that you want to do and the platforms you want to use. But it, you know, I think there is some misconception about, well, it's virtual. We're not in a venue and we don't have food and beverage and all of that. The technology behind a virtual event is crazy. It's not, you just don't have one person sitting and, you know, managing it all. It's a team of virtual people and producers like you and I that have to pull it all together. So there's a lot of work there. So I, I, it is, it, it is one thing that, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm staying awake at night sometimes thinking about what's a really fun thing we can do in this virtual world that's going to be different than anybody else. So I think a lot of us are thinking about that. Of course, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Okay, so what's one thing that you do for revenue now that you swore you would never do? <laughs> Pretty much 80% of what I do as a business. I never thought I would do any public speaking. So teaching at NYU and the paid public speaking that at least I used to do prior to travel being grounded yeah. was something that was like, even my, my colleagues at Columbia always laugh at me because if it was a room of 10 people and I was supposed to give a five minute update during a staff meeting, I was like shaking and so yeah. nervous. Yeah. But I found for me, it's, I, I found that money is the great motivator. You know, it's like, Hey, if you're going to pay me $3,000 to go speak to your audience for an hour, I'll figure it out. <laughs> and then I, I started doing it and I realized I really do actually enjoy it. It's the education piece. It's not so much being the center of attention or public speaking, but it's being able to talk about things that I really love and you kind of get that experience. And then it's not so scary the next time you just keep doing it. And so now, you know, I, it's such a good, way to balance your revenue you know you have your clients right and you know if you can mix that up with consulting and public speaking and all these other things right. you know, i know everyone's searching for multiple streams of revenue i think it's a complete fallacy that you know you can just sit on the beach and money pours in you're not even yeah. working for it you know? but multiple streams of revenue that you actually work for and you know the one-to-many business model i think is really smart and it does provide great revenue when, you know, if you had me design my business plan 10 years ago, it wouldn't look anything like what my business I would have never thought that I would have been teaching at NYU in a million years. Yeah. I mean, I was just trying to find clients. When I started, I just went out to every event. I could, go, I just went to a million events the first year and yeah. I just started handing out my card and talking about what I do. And that's how I started getting, and then I opened, you know, then I was the founder and president of the Event Planners Association for the New York chapter, yeah. which was a really smart thing for me to do. I had no idea how to run a chapter, but they were starting to open the chapters. So I got to meet all of my industry colleagues. I think that's how we met actually. So yeah. you had a school and you were getting tickets for people to come. We had the best events. We had so much fun and we built a really great, they don't have the chapters anymore, but we, after we, after I resigned, I had to, my business was getting busy, but I did that for three years and we had amazing times and I met a lot of people in, at venues and that's, you just have to get yourself out there and then the teaching. And then I also coach event planners on how to start an event planning business. Cause when I started, I had no clue and no one would help me. Yeah. You know, it's just, it was really scary. So I, that all just happened by accident because someone, someone called and said, can you help me with the business? And I had coaches. So I kind of figured I knew how to coach. So I threw something together and now I do that. And then I spoke on a panel with you and I have to tell you this, 
that panel was the first thing, this was a few years ago, was the first time I spoke on a panel with my colleagues. I was so nervous. I thought 35 ways not to go to that. <laughs> like I was so nervous, which is crazy. I could get on a stage and host an event or, yeah. you know, MC an event. I had no problems because I know what's happening. But getting in front of a camera or being with my colleagues, I was so nervous. And then out of that, you asked me to teach at NYU. So if you don't get out of your comfort zones and do things, then that was another stream of income that was coming in. So it was, you just have to kind of, even if you're afraid, you never know what's going to come out of that, you know? Absolutely. It's so true. And I'm, you know, preaching to the choir here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So let me see if we have any questions. In the meantime, let me just see here what I wanted to ask you. All right. So first of all, why don't you talk? Because I know that you are doing a virtual summit, right? In the next starting on Monday, is it? So why don't you tell everybody about it? And let me see what questions we have. And then we can. Okay. Yeah. So I'm hosting an event called the Pivot Virtual Summit. Pivot. Mm -hmm. There's that classic. It's so, I, I originally designed it to be an hour of content for a week, but there's so much great content out there. So many people doing interesting things in the events industry. So it's now from June 1st to the 12th during the weekdays. So it's 10 full days of content, mostly from 12 to 2 PM Eastern. Although some of the sessions are even longer than that because we just keep <laughs> packing it in. Right. So we have over 35 industry speakers. And the goal is to talk about three main things. One is predictions for the future, which, you know, to be frank, none of us actually know what the future is going to look like, but just experts in special events and associations and fundraising and kind of, this is what I know from my experience and what I'm guessing we're going to see in the future. Uh -huh. So that's one piece of the content. We're also going to be talking about all the skills you need to be successful. So we're talking about like work from home, security. We're talking about, you know, taking live events to virtual. We're talking about all kinds of future skills. And then there's the pivot section, which are the stories of companies and brands who have already taken what they were doing, thought about it a little differently, and then pivoted and were really successful to help people get inspired to think about things that they could be doing themselves. Okay, great. So it's a free thing. It's the pivotvirtualsummit.com. We'd love to have you all there. We'll post the link to that so you guys can sign up. You should definitely j jump in you know, you can jump in and out of it, but I think it's going to be really great. And I know a lot of people that are going to be speaking. So they're all fantastic and have so much knowledge in this industry. Okay. So what about, um, so how can everybody reach you? So I'm at Liz King events on pretty much every social channel. I'm Liz at Liz King events.com for my email, Liz King events.com for my website. So as yeah. long as you remember Liz King events, you can find me wherever yeah. the world leads you to. Yeah. And I also know that you have a new baby boy who is the cutest thing ever. If you're not following her, you have to follow her. The kid, he's just so cute. Lucas is his name, right? Yep. Seven so, months old already. So why don't you just tell us as we wrap up here, what, how is it, you know, having a new baby and running an event business? I'm sure that there's a lot of moms out there who are thinking of starting a new business, event business, or already have it. And, you know, what's going on there? It's tough. I'm not going to lie. He's a very active, you know, he's, he wants to play. He's a kid. And so it's really hard managing different meetings and getting stuff done. I was very much like when I have kids, one of the best things is I'll have flexible work schedule. So I'll play with them during the day and I'll work around their naps. And then at night, 
I mean, at least so far, it's nothing like that. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> He's awake 90% of the time. You're yeah. going to have it all planned out, right? Not really going the way I thought. And then, of course, we hired, we finally hired an amazing nanny, and she came for one time before Corona started. And oh, then we were like, yeah, you probably shouldn't keep coming. So yeah. the last three months have been insane with Craig working from home and trying to balance his schedule and my schedule and the baby. Is he still working yeah, work? Yeah, it's crazy. And these employers, you know, whoever they might be, everyone I think is experiencing this. It's like you're expected to be at the computer from nine to five and have nothing else to do except you have, I mean, I can't imagine the people who are homeschooling their kids and yeah. have more than one. I don't know. I don't know how they're doing. I don't have any. So I have enough just taking care of this. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and trying to just manage a business and figuring it all out. So I, I, my heart goes out to everyone, but we'll all get through this, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll get through it. So something might trigger you to think about, oh, I can do that. It doesn't necessarily have to be the event industry. Right, exactly. It can be, even if you wanted to do your own virtual event in any, you know, if you have, if you are an author, think about talking about your books or reading your books or something like that. There can be, I'm sure we can come up with something there, but yeah. um, I'm sure there'll be a lot on there for everybody. So it doesn't have to be necessarily the event industry, but you know, there's a lot of great people on there. They're motivators and things like that, which is what we need right now, so. Okay, my dear, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. It was awesome. All right. Take care. Thanks, everyone, for joining us.